I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. Hi, Amy. Hi, Lisa. One of the things that always surprises me, and maybe it shouldn't by now, is throughout the week, you and I are thinking about what topic we might want to cover in our podcast and one of us will text the other, and we're usually thinking along the same lines. Yeah, completely. We live in completely different cities and countries, yet we're usually on the same page. I love it. Yeah, we're very in sync. Mm-hmm. This topic came up for me because, as I mentioned last week, um, there's a new opportunity that I've just begun to offer private therapeutic yoga sessions at this wellness center in Vancouver called Chi Integrated Health. And when the opportunity presented itself, this is something that I've thought about for many years and have been in the midst of creating, which is why I've gone back to school and have done all of these different practice hours. And now here it is, an opportunity to share these therapeutic offerings with others to really offer yoga prescriptions that are customized to each person. This is what I've been building up to. And then this opportunity comes. And instead of taking a moment and celebrating that, I'm right on to, okay, well, now I need to build and here are the steps that I need to take. You know, I'm right on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not marinating in the joy of this opportunity that you have. And I was reminded a couple of ways we had Kobe Kozlowski on the podcast a few episodes ago, and she writes in her book the importance of celebrating an accomplishment or even just celebrating the small sweetness of life before she moves on. And I was really impressed because her book, her first book, just recently came out, and she has dedicated herself to not reading any of the reviews because she just wants to be able to sit in the celebration of that work that she created. Mm, That's such a smart thing. Yeah. And then the psychologist, Dr. Rick Hansen, you know, he's always talking about accentuating the good. So, you know, we have these negative situations happen, but why does it seem that those are the ones that we might think about and discuss with others and talk about before we will really sit in all of the sweet, positive things that happened for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that a lot. I mean, I think part of it is, don't you feel like we are conditioned to live in a state of wanting more instead of being Mm -hmm. content, like marketing and Mm -hmm. sales and the commercials and all the, like we're just inundated with, we need more, we need bigger, we need to produce more, we need to be more. It's all around us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and I were having a conversation a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the things that we've been creating and some of the stresses that come with that. Um, A a retreat to Italy for me had some situations that I had to deal with that were uncomfortable that caused stress. And you run a studio, you know, you you run a small business, and with that right? Challenges. (laughs) All kinds, all kinds of challenges that, that pop up daily. And it was really interesting for you and I to, we were just chatting and debriefing and sharing what we had been going through and all the struggles and the stresses. And, and then I think we both just took a moment and kind of started laughing and was like, could you imagine two years ago that we would be complaining about these things that, mm-hmm. that really our dreams have come true, that you take people around the world on these beautiful retreats and they sell out. And I have this amazing studio that 
that just basically fell in my lap and it's perfect in every way. And, you know, six months before we opened, I could not have imagined how good it could possibly be. But yet we were in our stresses. We were feeling the stress of this growth and and the how uncomfortable it was. And I just I just had to laugh because I pictured myself 2 years ago just shaking my head at my current self like what are you complaining about? Yeah, and this episode isn't about glossing over when something is uncomfortable or when something isn't going our way and we experience negative emotion or when tragedy occurs, when challenging issues occur, we're always advocates for feeling that and doing the work to process that and integrate that because we know that muting the darker shades of emotions means that we end up muting the positive shades as well. We steal from our joy if we're not willing to really sit in what makes us feel uncomfortable. And we also know that as human beings, you're right, we're conditioned to turn away and resist what is uncomfortable for us and seek pleasure and seek joy. However, we're typically doing that by numbing. And what we're talking about today is taking the time throughout each day when something small and sweet does happen, rather than moving on and going right on to the next thing, on to the next task, allowing yourself to sink in that for a moment. And as the psychologist Rick Hansen says in his book, Hardwiring Happiness, soak it up and enhance it. So on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and offer some techniques because we need Mm -hmm. to practice that. Every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all do. We have the negative bias. And just even think about you and I starting to talk this morning before we pressed record, we always ask, okay, how's it going? And even though I intend to talk about the good that I want to soak up and enhance and make sure that my attention is honoring what I can celebrate and what I'm grateful for. The first thing that I told you is, ooh, had a bit of a family conflict this morning. (laughs) That's that's the first place my mind went to, and that's Mm -hmm. natural. But because I knew we were going to talk about this right after that, as uncomfortable as it was to be in conflict with some members of my family and for us to have had that situation, as uncomfortable as that was, I'm working on not allowing my mind to then go into all of the negative places that it habitually wants to go. So reminding me of everything that's going wrong and all the ways in which I'm failing, because I knew we were talking about this today. I'm like, okay, I am so appreciative that I I have this family in order to have these strong feelings with. It's going to happen and it doesn't make any of us bad or wrong. So I was able to go to a place of appreciation for the kind of love that is safe enough to sometimes show up in 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 ways that are challenging mm-hmm. for each other. Yeah, it it doesn't make the the hard times go away, but to also try to find that balance of not hanging out in the bad times or marinating in the bad feelings, but also having our eyes wide open to what is beautiful and sweet around us. And and that can be a practice, right? It's it's hard to not future trip and always be looking for the next thing or the next job or the next opportunity or the next purchase, but to actually sit in contentment with what is right in front of us. And that that is a practice for me, for sure. Oh, me too. And you hit the nail on the head with purchase. If we have been desiring something and then we purchase it, can we sit in the appreciation of that item? Or I think about this often, the appreciation of what we already have. We know that when we cast our eyes to the goodness that is all around us, we make what we have already enough than this constant wanting for more that is our tendency. But yes, things to enhance that are already good, you know, the food that is already in the fridge, the clothing that is already in the closet, the car that you are already driving, the body that you have right now, 
you know, these are our things to appreciate and spend time falling in love with. I remember studying a specific yogic text and a line that jumped out at me that I think about often is fall in love again and again with what is right in front of you. And that speaks to what you're saying is how can we call ourselves to be present enough to, to notice when something is sweet and good and when it makes our heart leap or when we're feeling so grateful and appreciative and stay with that for a little yeah, longer. Definitely, definitely hard to do with all the things that surround us. And we see it in other people's conversations when they talk about their opportunities or their new purchases or their lives and how we compare ourselves to what others might have. And then it can make what we have not enough. And and so it's hard to stay in your own lane sometimes because you're looking around. We're always outwardly looking as opposed to being content with what we have. Like you said, our body, our homes, our clothes, the food that's already in the fridge. That can be hard because all around us is comparison. So what I could have done when the opportunity presented itself that I was going to be working with people one-on-one at this wellness center is to take a moment and really feel, celebrate, celebrate that something went according to my plans. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrate that I desired something and worked for something and the outcome was something that I yeah, was happy with. Like your dreams came true. And and to have that opportunity, this is what you've worked so hard for, and you've dreamt up this position and made it your own. And really sounds like you've landed in an amazing space. And and yet we think about the next thing, right? Well, and it's also a yogic teaching, this non-attachment to outcome. So we do want to take as many right actions as we can when we're really clear about what we do want to create. And it's all about that. It's taking action from this place of truth, but then to be able to absolve ourselves from what we want it to look like in the end. And that's, that is a lifetime practice. I've been thinking a lot about that too. You know, taking the right action, but allowing there to be a level of trust in the outcome and not have so many expectations around exactly how it needs to be. I, I think that we would save ourselves a, a lot of disappointment if we worked from a place of more acceptance and less expectation. Yeah. yeah. We've been studying this at the studio. We are in the midst of a three-month deep dive into yoga philosophy and yoga ethics and the practices of yoga outside of asana, making the shapes with our body. And last week, we were studying the yama, the ethical yogic practice of asteya, which is non-stealing. And it so fits into what we're talking about. And on the surface, you would think non-stealing, asteya, is don't steal items from other people or from stores. But we really had a wonderful conversation about how we steal from ourselves, how we steal our contentment, how we steal our peace of mind, how we steal our joy, and how we steal from our future selves. And it fits so perfectly into this because... The reason why we do these things, why we steal from ourselves, is we feel this lack of enoughness. We feel that we're lacking somewhere. And and it could be caused also by greed or competitiveness. But this idea of asteya, where we steal, is because we're lacking somewhere and we can't find that abundance or that enoughness in our own life. And so that was our practice in the studio last week was finding the enoughness, finding the abundance that is already there and sitting with that and celebrating that. And it was, it was really interesting to think of this idea of stealing, 
how do we steal from ourselves? How do we steal from our peace of mind and our contentment and our future self? And then how could we create practices that let us already see what we already have and and live in that contentment and that abundance? So Astea has been very prominent in the studio and in my studies over the last week. So how about you? Does that resonate with you? So much so. And I definitely want to hear about the practices that you came up with and what comes up for me when you're talking about, we all have our own brand of where we're not enough. And if we are dedicated to living an examined life and figuring out why we react the way that we do, it is important to look back and ask ourselves, okay, what did I learn about being enough? And what is propelling this desire to continue to do more? I've accomplished a big goal. And why am I immediately moving on to how it can be better and what I need to do next? And for some of us, what we learned early on is that we had to be really good. And um, one of our future episodes is we're going to be talking to our resident psychotherapist about this wanting to be good, because we all have this desire to be good, but it comes in different shades. So for some of us, our wanting to be good is is really wanting to hit it out of the park if we learned that that's what got us love. So that's propelling us as well as this outer culture that is now so in the forefront for us. As you mentioned, we're always seeing the accomplishments of others. We're seeing their Mm -hmm. highlight reels. We're seeing their highlight reels when it comes to their family and their fitness, their wardrobes, and their accomplishments. And it can be a challenge. We can think that we're not comparing ourselves, but that inner dialogue is always there in the background, making us feel specific ways. And then based on how we feel, we are taking actions based on those feelings. And so this is why it is important to tend to feeling appreciative and feeling good because it's so much easier to take an action from a place of love if we really are wanting to create something. But if we are focusing on the things that are going badly, sometimes we might take action from a place of a, you know, a non-wisdom thinking. So we're not really thinking things as they are. We're making choices based on the past. We're making choice on choices based on not being good enough. And one thing I've learned is that if we're coming from a place of not being good enough, or if we're coming from a place of feeling self-conscious, the clue there is that we're not really in our true self because our true self, according to yogic texts, can't be conscious of itself. It can't be self-conscious. There's no shame there. If we're sinking into that place, we are feeling enough. We are feeling that wash over ourselves that all is Mm, well in this moment. I love that. But we need to remind ourselves and we need the practices. We need that secondary voice within the mind to respond to the inner critic. That's the voice that we're used to. We need to cultivate that Mm -hmm. new voice. And so how do we do that? Well, that's a big, that's a big ask. (laughs) That's going that's what that's what we're all about really is like i feel like it's the heart of these practices is forgiving ourselves for not measuring up to who we think we need to be but we also have to have some knowledge about well, who do we think right. we need to be when is it going to be enough when can i relax and celebrate life and celebrate who i am and what mm-hmm. i have in my family you know when can i when is when will it be enough when i can do that on a regular basis. We had to, we had to put action behind it last week in the studio. Like we really had to make very specific practices directed at this idea of enoughness. It couldn't just be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, contemplate the way you have enough. You know, that wasn't going to, to cut Mm -hmm. it. So we put movement with it and we did nine sun salutations in any way that they wanted to do the sun salutations, it could be any form of, you know, and in, I even gave them the opportunity to do the sun salutations in their mind. They didn't have to physically move through them, but they Mm -hmm. had to move through nine sun salutations in one way or another. 
And as they did that, just a very simple sun salutation, they meditated on all the ways that they were and had enough through nine sun salutations. And I invited them to do these nine sun salutations every day, meditating on all the ways that they were and had enough. And then we did some pranayama. We did some breathing practices. We did the soham pranayama. So inhaling on the so and exhaling on the hum. And as they were practicing that pranayama, so hum, recognizing first that it was a miracle that we have breath at all and using Mm -hmm. this pranayama to recognize that we are actually breathing right now. And then returning to this Vedic philosophy that the Soham pranayama is linked to identifying that, that we are one with the universe, that we are all connected, that we are all connected in some way. And when we can find that connection, it, it can decrease that comparison. So Soham was a practice that we did as well. And then we also chanted, which I love, it's my favorite thing to do, to Lakshmi, mm-hmm. who is the deity mm-hmm. of abundance. So Lakshmi is the deity of abundance, of enoughness. And so invoking Lakshmi, Om Shreem Lakshmi Namaha. So we chanted that, and then I invited them to chant that in their home practices as well. So invoking Lakshmi, that we are abundant, that we are enough, that our lives are full, and inviting her in to remind us. So putting those practices in place was very helpful to be the antidote for lack or comparison or competitiveness, that inward journey through the sun salutations, through the pranayama, through meditation, through chanting. So not focusing on the outward where we compare ourselves to others. We see what they have that we don't. We see what our future self, what we want for our future self that we might not have right now. And also really marinating in all the ways that we have and are enough right now. Right now, just as we are, mm-hmm. we have enough and we are enough and we don't need to change or do anything in this present moment. So it was, it's been amazing, these, this deep dive into the other limbs of yoga that we're practicing at the studio has been wonderful for me as well to revisit these practices again and again. Every time I pick them up, I turn them over and find something new to discover. And, and it, it's been really interesting. So Om Shreem Lakshmi Namaha has been my mantra this week. What I love about everything that you shared, because it's just so looking at these practices from a therapeutic yoga standpoint, where you're offering specific prescriptions for specific challenges or places in which we'd like to grow and heal. And I love, first of all, that you started with movement. Many of us need a little bit of movement if we're talking about creating a shift. And even if yoga isn't your practice, I can imagine setting an intention to go for a walk outside and rather than be distracted, rather than do anything else on that walk, first of all, allow yourself to be present and allow yourself to look around with appreciation and on purpose think about all of the things that are already good in your life and all of the things around you that bring you joy. Have that be the purpose of that movement, however you choose to move. I absolutely love that because when we're wanting to create any sort of shift, adding physical movement is helpful. It's just so helpful. It helps us to move out what's not serving us and it helps us to bring in what it is that we're cultivating and bring in the present moment and relax the nervous system a little bit so that we feel safe to do that. I too love the Soham mantra, one of the most sacred mantras that we can use in time with our breath. And it can be awkward for those of us in the West that we didn't grow up with these mantras, but this language of Sanskrit, it is 
very ancient and very sacred and has so much more meaning. You know, it used to be really important to me to know exactly what I was saying. You know, our minds want to know. But I've come to learn through what I've learned about Sanskrit is it's just the vibration of this very special spiritual language that is there only for spiritual development. Like it was, it's used just for spiritual texts that just that vibration in the human body can be helpful, but I do love its meaning. And I mean, you could talk about its meaning for podcast after podcast, because even though it's translated very loosely as you're inwardly saying, you know, Mm -hmm. I am that one of my teachers said, you know, so hum as I am that. So everything that you see around you, you are saying I am that, which is meant to take you out of your individual stories and your identification with who you are based on what you do and what you have and open up to this idea of collective that we really are Mm -hmm. all connected. So I think that is such a beautiful place to place the mind on, not to mention One of my favorite ways to use mantra is there's just less room for the pattern. And that's what the inner dialogue is, is it's the pattern of the thoughts that I've had for so many years and how many of those been working for me. (laughs) I, I wouldn't be on this path if that inner dialogue had been working for me. And we need to have these prescriptions Well, I do. And I, and I know that you do too, which is why we're offering them and why we use them ourselves just to create a reminder that there's another way to think and that there's another way to look at the world around us so that we cultivate more acceptance and contentment. It's like my teacher Brandt said on the episode he was in, you know, when he works with people who want to lose weight, he's focusing on creating a sense of more acceptance and contentment before he's even Mm -hmm. talking about the food. Because from that place, what actions are we taking? You know, actions that probably come from a lot more wisdom and maybe have a better chance of creating the outcomes that we do desire, or more than that, have a better chance of creating the desired feeling that we want. Because in the end, the feeling that we want is to feel seen and heard and important and loved and accepted. But unfortunately, we grow up and we realize that we're just not going to get that from other people as much as we want to, which is the driving force behind all of this passing over the good and moving on to the next thing that we need to do to get it all right. So as we grow up, we learn that that being seen and that profound acceptance and love that we so long for, we have to give it to ourselves. And and that's just, that's said a lot now. And maybe it's lost its power, this, the power of self-compassion and the power of self-love, but that's it. That's for me, all of these practices are bringing me to the possibility of, can I cultivate more contentment with what is already here? Yeah. Listening to you speak like that, I'm reminded of this quote that, that we were studying last week by Dr. Matt Lakeda. So he's an author and a psychotherapist. And he says, look carefully and see the subtle burden you have placed on those around you to compensate for the longing of your unlived life. To re-own this burden may be the greatest act of kindness and pure love that you can offer this world. Can you read that again? And then can you just tell me what you Mm -hmm. get from that? Right. This is big. (laughs) Look carefully and see the subtle burden you have placed on those around you to compensate for the longing of your unlived life. To re-own this burden may be the greatest act of kindness and pure love that you can offer this world. So putting the onus back on ourselves, right? That to find contentment, to find satisfaction, to to find this fulfillment we have to create that from the inside. We cannot put that on those around us. We cannot try to be filled up by people, places, or things outside of us. We have to find that first from within and create our own experience, create our own examined life. And this sense of lack or discontent that seems pervasive through our society, 
then places this burden on all those around us as well. We have this discontent. We are never satisfied. We are striving and moving and not present in the present moment. And to return to ourselves, to to find that work that needs to be done, to to the work that needs to be done to find that contentment and fulfillment only we can do for ourselves. Does that make sense? So much. And it's taking me back to my early 20s when my first love and I ended up not being together. And he once said to me, I don't think I could ever mm-hmm. love you enough. Mm-hmm. And I think about that often because, yeah, I was looking for all of that from him and what a burden it was on him. And I think a a lot of us as women that are in partnerships, if we were honest, we would say that a lot of our conflict with our beloveds have been around wanting to be loved in the way that we really need to love ourselves. Like we do. I, I can, I know that I have put a lot of burden on my husband to love me in the way that I needed to be loved because I was projecting, you know, I was projecting my own insecurity and my own not enoughness in that moment. And I needed him to be a certain way in order for me to feel more comfortable. I know that I've done that so many times. And when I talk about my marriage with others, you know, I'm pretty open that we had years where, you know, I, I didn't know, we didn't know, like it was, it was Mm -hmm. tenuous. And what yoga gave to me that made the biggest change in my life was having me turn within and say, okay, well, what are the stories that I'm telling myself about him and me in this marriage? And are they actually true? And where do they come from? And as soon as I owned my own stories about what I was telling myself about him and decided to change them and decided to look at him through the eyes of love and focus on the things about him that I really appreciated and still do, everything began to change. Because we can look at someone and we can make a list of all of their limitations and the way in which they don't work for us. And we could look at that same person and make a list of all of the things that we appreciate about them. Which are we going to place more importance on? Because where we place our gaze, then our brains just continue to find evidence to make us right about that, right? I mean, we've all done that too. We've all been in conflict with somebody and then we choose to focus on that conflict and then we can find evidence to make them wrong and us right. We, We all do that. Or... But more rarely, can we take some time to find the evidence for why we love somebody? And this is a practice that I do a lot whenever I feel that I'm in conflict with somebody, whether it be my daughter, my husband, friendships, or even business partners. If if something is just feeling a little bit um, uncomfortable and there's a slight conflict, I will immediately go to all of the aspects of that person that I really appreciate. And then it helps me respond from a more expansive place. But that took practice. Right. And can you, the way you look at somebody else and find all the things that you appreciate about them, we so rarely do that for ourselves. We we can do that practice and and turn outward and look at all the ways we appreciate, but that inward contentment still is work. I was really taken aback that my discontent or my lack could be a burden on somebody else. You, you feel like you have this internal suffering and you don't realize that you're making everyone else suffer around you as well. You know, your, your ex-boyfriend came to the conclusion that he could never love you enough. And that's really insightful on his part to, to recognize that that the source of that is your discontent, your internal lacking that you have this unfulfilled need for all the love because you might not be able to find that in yourself. And so you are projecting on him, love me, love me, love me, love me, love me more. And, and that can, that's really insightful on his part. 
instead of turning it on him and or him turning it on himself to say, oh, I'm just not, you know, what's wrong with me? I can't live up to her expectations or I can't, I need to be better. Like he came to the conclusion that it may, it probably wasn't him, <laughs> you know, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that it was a, a, a hole in you somewhere uh, in your, you know, psyche or soul that, that needed this, this deep love that you weren't able to provide for yourself. And yeah. this burdening of those around us, because we haven't been able to do the work for ourselves to complete ourselves. We're looking for completion from all the other people around us or all the other things around us or society in general to complete us instead of us doing the work to complete ourselves, to fulfill our own lives, to live our lives to the fullest is, is going to take us doing it ourselves. Nobody else can live our life for us, but if we are feeling this lack and then we try to have somebody else create this fulfilled life for us, it's never going to work because they can't live our lives for us. They can't provide that internal fulfillment that only we can give ourselves. Well, in the stories and fairy tales that we grew up with as Gen Xers, they never had the princess like finding her own light and love. (laughs) It, it was always she was happily ever after. Disney mm-hmm. has changed so much in in how they tell stories mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's not the woman is or the girl or the young girl or the princess is saved by the man anymore. Now she saves herself. And that would have been a really nice lesson to grow up on Saturday mornings watching as opposed to waiting for the prince to save you and fulfill all your dreams. Oh, and this the relearning that we need to do. I I posted this actually because my daughter and I went to see Frozen 2 and she has grown up with that she can save herself. That is how she's grown up. And we're watching this and Elsa at the end, you know, she's on her own. And what do I say just to show how deep within me this paradigm is? I say, oh, I wonder if she'll, you know, be able to fall in love too. And without without skipping a beat, my daughter said, she did. She's falling in love with herself. I was like, oh, and hello, my best teacher. I'm, I'm so happy that she just innately has that wisdom in her. And that's, that's wisdom that I need to for work sure, at remembering. For sure. We didn't have those lessons. So now at this age, we get to learn them now. So favorite practices for soaking up the good and enhancing the good. I love the ones that you shared. Those are some practical tools um, and you can build yourself that customized practice. I recently offered a workshop um, and you and I are still going to be doing a bit of a digital mini version of this that we'll let you know when that's coming out. But I recently did a workshop here in Vancouver, therapeutic yoga to lift a winter mood. And I added some of these practices as well, because let's, this also has to do with how many of us are feeling at this time of year, right? Seasonal affect disorder, totally. that's a real thing. <laughs> and I live in the Pacific Northwest and it's rainy and it's cloudy and it's dark. It can be challenging to get up in the morning. It can be challenging to feel the lift that maybe that we wish that we felt in in order to feel just more alive in our lives. And we all have a right to feel that way. So some of us are affected and it really affects our quality of life. And when it gets to that point, that's when you can help yourself. And from a therapeutic standpoint, we also think about lifting that winter mood by cultivating feelings of love, appreciation, gratitude, and acceptance. Like those are real practices. They're more than just self-help. There's something that you can actually do for yourself. And so one technique that you can do, and this helps me sometimes first thing in the morning, is just as we know that all of our experiences are part of us, our memories are a part of us. So we can actually build this inner resource of contentment and love by time traveling to a time when we very much deeply loved or when we felt loved and safe and content. And, you know, hopefully we all have those memories at the ready 
that we can enhance and breathe in and sink into, and then notice how we operate from that place rather than where the mind likes to go when we wake up and we feel tired and we feel stagnant and fatigue. Our brain will tell us all sorts of reasons why we feel that way because we could always find them. So it takes a little bit more effort to find a memory that uplifts us so we can look up and then we can get ourselves moving. And that, again, can't say enough at this time of year. We need to get ourselves moving mm-hmm. in all ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's time. It's time. It's that time of year. We've we've been in winter a while now and now we're having a little more sun, even if the skies are gray, like they've been here every single day for as long as I can remember. It has been so gray here, (laughs) but the days are getting longer and the sun is behind those clouds somewhere, I've been told. And it is time to start moving again, to get outside, even if it's just for a walk, to start to shed winter, to come out of our hibernation and start to move again. And it's amazing what can happen. I've learned that some conversations just shouldn't even be had until after you've moved, after you've gone for the walk or done your practice or danced or just make the body shake, you know, shake out what's bringing you down. Something should wait until after you've taken care of yourself. That is a wonderful act of self-love. Move before you think. (laughs) Did you just come up with that right now? No. Have you heard that somewhere? It just seemed to make sense. (laughs) Move before you think. I love it. I love it, Amy. I can't say that I've never heard that, but I don't know where I would have heard it, but it makes sense. It works for me so much. I talk a lot about the joint freeing series that I received from my yoga therapy teacher, and he received it from his teacher. And it's just the act of you know moving the joints of your body in their pain-free range of motion while you breathe. I do it first thing in the morning, and I do try to do mm-hmm. it before I think. And I also try to read something a little bit uplifting and inspiring before I think right. my own thoughts. Let let somebody else you know, bring some positivity in before we go into that landscape of our internal dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And also you and I have been practicing something that's not easy to do, even though I reported that we get on the phone and we do discuss our stresses and our challenges. We actually do make sure that we are talking with one another about what we're celebrating and what's going right. And if I think if more of our conversations were focused on what's going right, we would feel more uplifted in our relationships oh, absolutely. as well. You know, when you have been in a conversation that is positive and supportive and su- inspiring, how you physically and energetically and spiritually and emotionally feel leaving that conversation versus if you have been in a conversation where somebody is just listing off all the things that are going wrong mm-hmm. and nothing is going right. And they're in hell. And and just that that downward spiral of energy and physically and emotionally and mentally, how that makes you feel when you leave that conversation. They're they're palpable, the difference when you mm-hmm. have just even listened to somebody else's experience. It's it really does affect you. My favorite conversations with others and inside my own head is when something is challenging me and creating discomfort within, I I like to look at why. Like I like to look at what is this reminding me of and then what part of me do I need to reclaim and and where can love move in and and be a balm for this scarcity or this feeling of lack or this feeling of not good enough? Where does forgiveness need to be offered, whether it be to myself or somebody else? Uh, so I like using opportunities for discomfort to question that and to, you know, interview that inner dialogue of mine to get to the bottom of it so that I can move more into mm-hmm. a state of contentment. Yeah. Good practices. Very good practices. Um, and then I can't say enough about let yourself mm. rest too. You know, the the act of believing that you're not enough and maybe being unconscious to the places in which you believe that can make you force yourself to do more and get more and be more. And that can be exhausting. That can be frazzling for the nervous system and exhausting on so many levels. 
So allow yourself to have productive rest. We love guided meditations. We love yoga nidra. And sometimes wait to have that conversation until after you right. had a nap. <laughs> if moving before you think does not work, maybe napping before you think is a better <laughs> approach. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So all about soaking up the good, enhancing the good, falling in love with what's in front of you and being present enough to notice the small sweetnesses of life. Somebody's smile that you appreciate a couple holding hands and just enjoying a, a moment of kindness that you see in strangers, something beautiful in nature, something simple that you have that brings on a beautiful memory, your beautiful memories, a piece of jewelry that that you treasure and that has meaning for you. you know, these are all the places where we can stay just a little bit longer until moving on to the next mm -hmm. item on the list. Yeah, so good. So close with telling me some of the simple sweetnesses in, in a day for Amy that you can enhance and soak up and stay with for a little bit longer. I so appreciate that there is no ice on the ground or on my car right now. That makes me very happy that... Even though it's winter, I am able to get in and out of my car without scraping the windows. And that my commute is three minutes to the beautiful studio. And I'm so happy that our amazing florist dropped off our flowers today. We have fresh flowers in the studio um, that she brings every week. And today was delivery day. And it makes me so happy when she brings the flowers because they're beautiful and so creative and the students love them and they last forever because she has such amazing flowers. So she delivers every week, but we usually are able to make them last two weeks. So we have flowers everywhere in the studio and today was flower delivery day. And that makes me happy that we have such beautiful mm -hmm. flowers in this amazing studio that I just love. I just love unlocking the door and coming in and smelling the incense and listening to the music and the chanting and seeing the flowers. It's just, it, it's an, an experience I don't want to take for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, I was there when you made the decision to have flowers delivered to the studio on a regular basis. And I'm just so struck by that beautiful act of self-love because you wanted to do it because they made you so happy. You wanted to do it because just for the simple act of beautifying the space, like you gave yourself that gift. That's that's not a necessity by any means, but it is something that you place so much importance on because it creates so much joy for you when you when you look at them. And that's just such a beautiful reason. I really honor that yeah, you made that and decision. Yeah, and I encourage everyone to do this, to buy yourself flowers, to beautify your space with flowers. We talk about it in our class quite a bit about beautifying your space in whatever way is pleasing to you, that it can be very disruptive to the nervous system if you are always looking upon clutter or disarray. And if you can find beauty in your own space, even if that means you buy yourself flowers. I was on a trip last year to my friend's 50th birthday. We rented a big cabin in Tennessee. And on the way down there, I wanted to buy her flowers. And we stopped in the store and we bought a bunch of bouquets. And three people on the way to check out told me that they had never received flowers as a gift. And it was so striking to me because I was like, buy yourself flowers. Well, there's nothing stopping you from receiving flowers. You receive them from yourself. And, and I firmly believe that. I firmly believe in buying myself flowers and beautifying my space and beautifying the studio. And it does bring me joy and gratitude to be able to look at these beautiful flowers and just, just sit in their beauty and how amazing they are that nature gives us these gifts. So I am supremely grateful for flowers because I really get so much from them. 
And we don't have to wait for a special occasion to do things special or use the special dishes or wear the special outfit or buy flowers for the house. No, we it's it's part of our maintenance in my household that um, that we buy flowers. And my husband also participates in this. He'll go to the grocery store and he buys flowers just like he's buying bread or, you know, juice. It's it's a necessity or a staple in our house. Mm, and that's another way to soak up the good, not waiting for a, something to happen that you need to happen in order to feel good or feel content right now, right this moment. This is a special occasion. This is a special occasion to treat yourself well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Buy the flowers. Mm. All right, Amy. Um, I love that conversation with you. I feel even more inspired to stay with my own practices of enhancing the good. And if you haven't read the book, Hardwiring Happiness with Rick Hansen. He does such a beautiful job of explaining why the brain focuses so much on the negative and why it's more challenging for us to stay with the positive things that happen for us and how we can change our brain. We, we do have a thing called neuroplasticity and we can change the quality of our mind. He calls it planting flowers and picking weeds. And it just helps us to feel better. And at the end of it, I mean, that's all any of us really wants is just to feel more alive and to feel more content. Mm -hmm. Right here, right now. I appreciate you, Amy. I appreciate you. All right. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.